Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. jumping around all over the place tonight but it is great to be back with you for an hour of the sporting capital so till 11 o'clock uh, the phone lines are yours the floor is yours one 736 736 you can call me on the Harcourts open line at any stage uh, you'll move your Harcourts for all things real estate speak to Harcourts for all things sport I'd love it if you'd speak to me one 736 736 is the number uh, coming up on the show Darren Chuck Berry uh, Chuck Berry Finn uh, Chuck Barry Finn's going to join me and just to give us a view on what he makes of Australia's performance at this year's T20 World Cup um, and what he thinks needs to happen moving forward. Uh, and also to Joe Watton, Channel 7 AFLW commentator, is going to come and we'll wrap, uh, we'll review and look back on the first week of finals action in the AFLW and look ahead to the games this weekend of semi finals. Uh, so looking forward to doing that. Uh, and it is a Monday uh, on the Sporting Capital. So, uh, like every Monday, um, we like to find out who your heroes and your villains were uh, in the weekend of sports. So you can do that 1300 736 736. Uh, or you can text in 0433981116. Uh, uh, just want to give you a quick update on WBBL scores from today. Um, Hobart Hurricanes have beaten the Melbourne Renegades by eight wickets. Um, the Hurricanes reeled in the Renegades' quite paltry uh, total of 80 uh, from their 17.2 overs. They did it in 10.4. Player of the match was uh, was Molly Strano. Um Destroyed the Renegades uh, with ball in hand, took four for 16, uh, and then the total was reeled in, as I said, pretty comfortably. Uh, Lise Villani, 41, not out. Uh, Heather Graham, 23, not out. So they got in uh, pretty comfortably without really breaking uh, a sweat. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to do this. And then a hero comes along with the strength to care. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. 
uh, to give me your heroes or your villains from the weekend in sport. And there was a ton of sports still going on. It wasn't just all about the World Cup, the AFLW finals as well. NBL action, the season's just going along brilliantly. The WNBL season has started as well. There's uh, NBA, there's NFL, a hero nomination to my New York Jets, by the way, who was 6-3 and three, remarkably, even with a quarterback who can't throw a touchdown pass to save his life. But somehow we've beaten one of the Super Bowl favourites, uh, the Buffalo Bills, if you don't mind. Uh, so there's a hero nomination out nice and early, and you can have yours, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 I said Darren Berry will join me. Uh, and so too will Joe Watton to talk about uh, the events of the AFLW finals. Um, but I want to get your heroes and I want to get your villains. Normally you open the bowling, uh, but I might uh, kick us off tonight. So the first uh, hero nomination would have to be uh, for the Netherlands. But they're about to seal a win over one of the biggest. Bastelita comes in, bowls to Norkie, who smacks it away through the covers for four. And the Dutch celebrate. You'll really see that. The boundary conceded and the celebrations begin. But Netherlands have beaten South Africa. They have knocked South Africa out of the World Cup in 2022. The orange huddle forms in the middle of the ground and the South African batters congratulate them, shake their hands, but they will be devastated. They finish on five points in the group. Pakistan or Bangladesh will finish on six points at some point later today and it will knock them out of the World Cup. That was the moment, wasn't it? Uh, The Netherlands. So just have a think about this for a moment. How big a moment must that be for that country to beat the third-ranked T20 team, one of the big nations? South Africa is one of the big cricket nations. And the Netherlands are ranked 17th in the world at T20 international cricket. They'd made the Super 12s. That's the biggest upset of the tournament, the biggest win in Netherlands cricket. I've got it just ahead of Zimbabwe beating Pakistan and Ireland defeating England, which probably come in equal second. Namibia and Sri Lanka, that's pretty massive as well in the round one stages to get into the Super 12s. And what's more, they knock them out of the semifinals. South Africa were locked and loaded to get to their third semi-final round of a T20 International World Cup, and they couldn't get there. They just had to beat the Netherlands, and they unlocked them and they unloaded them from the tournament. So by rights, there's got to be, a, if there's a hero nomination for the Netherlands, there's got to be a villain nomination for South Africa. Another choke at a World Cup. And let me just read you some of the the chokes that they've had over the journey. Um, I won't even go with what happened in 1992 when it was the rain that robbed them then. They needed 22 from 13 balls to beat England. Play was halted and then on resumption they needed 21 from one delivery. I'm not going to hold that one against them. There was the World Cup semi in 99. They required one run from the last four balls to down Australia. They imploded. They dropped the bundle. The game was tied. They failed to advance. That was the Herschel Gibbs. You just dropped the World Cup. Um, At the 2003 World Cup, the one-day international, Mark Boucher might have just gone a little early on the celebrations, thinking he'd hit the winning runs to get them into the knockout stage. He miscalculated. They were one run short when rain stopped play. They've never been past the semifinal stage in 
either one-day international World Cups or T20 World Cups. And just to make it sting a little more, just to make it sting a little more, two of the players, the two top scorers for the Dutch, Colin Ackerman uh, and Stefan Myberg, uh, they uh, were both born in South Africa. Um, and another South African player, Brandon Glover, took three for nine. That would maybe sting a little bit as well, that you're beaten in that manner, in that scenario, and by uh, people that are compatriots uh, of yours. So there's got to be a villain nomination, doesn't there, for South Africa. Another choke. They were there. They were done. They were home and host to get to the semis. They had the biggest score of the tournament, I think. Only two teams have scored over 200, South Africa and New Zealand. Things were all coming up South Africa, and then just as quickly they weren't. Um, it couldn't have come at a worse time either for cricket being in the state that it is in that country. It's pretty dire right now. At risk of being taken over, uh, you know, all their T20 competition franchises have been bought by IPL franchises. Mark Boucher said after it that the biggest challenge facing South African cricket is actually hoping that the players still want to play for South Africa. So it's pretty dire. It was such an important World Cup for them. We sort of forget. We're looking a lot at what's happened to Australia and we, we don't realise that the, and you've got, you know, when Glenn Maxwell says, you know, that he doesn't really dwell on it and it doesn't really mean anything because you move on to the next, there's so much cricket played, it would certainly mean something to South Africa to not have made the semi-final stage, at least, given they were ranked number three in the world coming in uh, to that tournament. I'll give you a hero nomination to the Indian fans. I, I should have organised just some audio, but I've gone back and had a look at some of the videos that I shot last night. I was there to call it with Darren Berry on SEN. Um, and I've called games with just with bigger crowds. Like I've called footy games with bigger crowds. But I don't think I've ever called a game with a louder crowd, a more devoted crowd. And and I know people will, will point to Richmond and GWS um, as where one group of fans just completely took over. But I would say there were probably more GWS fans there that day than there were Zimbabwean fans there last night. And I loved how vocal the Zimbabwean fans were. They they danced, they cheered, they waved the flags, they would, took joy in every moment that had some joy in it for their country and for their team. I don't think I've seen a more devoted crowd and a more joyful crowd. They absolutely adore their cricketers. The adulation is something I haven't seen. Virat Kohli just fielded a ball near a section of the crowd. Just, just it was it was trickling to him, and they went off. <laughs> they went nuts. The first single of the game, and albeit because the first over was a maiden, and the first three balls of the second over were dot balls, but the first single drew a cheer that like some of the biggest sixes haven't gotten at this World Cup. They shower the team, they shower the players with love, the players give it back. There is a beautiful relationship between the Indian fans and the Indian cricketers. Even to the point where, I don't know if you saw last night, you probably didn't on the coverage, but there was a pitch invader. He would have been about 13. He was a, 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 a kid who ran out, and, and wrongly, and we don't condone it, the fine is like 
eleven thousand, thirteen thousand dollars now, and and that'll have to be paid. And and we don't condone it. You don't encourage it. It is the wrong thing to have been done. But we could see the security card coming from a long way out, and thought, oh, don't you don't need to drive this kid into the ground. I know safety first, and what if he's got this, or what if that, and all that kind of stuff. I get all that. Not condoning it. Not not trying to give him a break. But it was a kid, and he was spear tackled into the deck. And that spear tackle prompted Rohit Sharma to come over, Muhammad Shami come over and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Just, yep, he shouldn't be on here, but just take it easy. So they had love and care for this for this fan. Um, and and that even sort of stood out to me, that they were concerned for his well-being, even though he was completely doing the wrong thing. But I, I just found the relationship that that country's fans have with their team. And a lot of the others, Sri Lankan fans are unbelievable. That is as much fun as you'll have at the cricket. Go with Sri Lankan fans, you'll have a ball. Pakistani fans as well. Even the England fans have got, you know, the Barmy Army's got these brilliant and clever chants and everything like that, and they they live and breathe it. And I just feel like it's in stark contrast to to our country's, our, our relationship with our team at the minute. I think it's polar opposites. And it's curious because even with the Indian, the Indian players are highly paid and that gets thrown, oh, they're just highly paid divas, rah, rah, that gets thrown around. I don't buy into that. Um, I'm a cricket, tragic cricket nuffy. I still love the team and want them to succeed. But, you know, the Indian players, they favour the IPL at times over national duty, but I think maybe that's because the IPL is in their country, so that's okay, whereas we have players that sometimes favour the IPL over national duty. Our BBL never has the best players playing in it. So I found that the crowds and the fans of most of the other countries have very different relationships with their team than we do with ours, and it sort of saddened me. And it did embarrass me a little bit as well that India got 82,000-plus fans last night to essentially what was a dead rubber. India were, were, were home. They were qualified. It was just a matter of whether they were going to play in Sydney or in Adelaide. Were they going to play New Zealand or were they going to play England? They're going to play England Thursday night um, in Adelaide. You won't miss a moment of it on SEN. We got 34K to the New Zealand game as the defending championship, uh, defending champions on the opening night at the SCG, which holds about 48. We got 25 to the Sri Lanka game at Optus, which holds about 60. England, we got 36,000 at the MCG. Australia, England, 36,000. I know it was raining and it got called off in the end. It was a double header that day. They didn't release the crowd to the Ireland game at the Gabba. It looked okay. It wasn't full, but it looked okay. 18,000 at Adelaide for the Afghanistan, which was a win and get in game. And that was a double header that day as well. The strikers used to get bigger crowds than that. And Glenn Maxwell says they play too much cricket. Maybe we've got cricket fatigue. He said it doesn't mean anything. I don't think he meant it doesn't mean anything. It just maybe they don't have time for it to mean as much because they're on to the next. So maybe something needs to give. If there's too much cricket, and you tell me, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if there's too much cricket, then something has to give. I mean, it's the only sport in the world that I think has four different formats of it. We've even got T10 tournaments getting played. At the moment, test one day is T20s. There's a lot. There's a lot of cricket. But we haven't been turning up for a while. It's not just this World Cup. It's been for a while. The tests still do pretty well. But anything else, I think, is starting to struggle. So I wonder why that is. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. There is a lot of cricket. So maybe with there is there too much for you? Jerry Seinfeld, I spoke about this earlier on the, the, the Macca's run. Jerry Seinfeld's got that great bit of it. You've got to give people a chance to miss you. Maybe that's it.
maybe the side's always changing and maybe we're not quite sure who's coming in, who's going out. The, you know, the Australian cricket side used to just be the Australian cricket side. You, you knew who it was. They, 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 they picked and sticked. Not that, I know sticked isn't the way you say that. But pick and stick was the mantra and you, 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 you went along with these players and you bought into the players. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Heroes and villains. Uh, another hero nomination: the Demons. Their AFLW side, a side against a side that ruined their premiership dreams a season ago. They were eighteen points down at quarter time. Looked a mile off being able to turn it around. But to their credit, they dug in. They flipped the game on its head. Seven goals to one after three after quarter time. They win their way through to a prelim. I just thought that was a phenomenal uh, comeback effort. Um, if you've got a hero, if you've got a villain, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The Sporting Capital SEN. You're listening to the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, heroes and villains on a Monday night, one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourt's open line. Muzzer in Geelong, a very good friend, uh, always good for a hero or a villain. Hello, Muzz. Hello, how are you? Um, listening to SEN today, a lot of people were ringing and saying the um, the price to the cricket was um, dear, and when they got the the cheap seats, they were all at the back of the stadium. I don't know if that's the reason people didn't go, but um, last night when you were commentating, I could tell when a six or a four was hit by just a crowd <laughs> reaction. You didn't have to tell me. It was awesome. Um, I actually felt like I was there, and um, you and Darren did a top job, but you could tell what was happening, and um, every time a four or a six was hit, you knew, you know. Yeah, um, Mars, you're 100% right, and, and great to chat to you. Haven't spoken to you in a little while, and great to hear from you. Oh, the first single was as loud a roar. I can't remember hearing a single getting a cheer like that got. I was a bit taken aback early on. I had I wasn't able to be there for India Pakistan, and, and to 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 witness that like that that passion that was as as passionate, um, and joyful a, a crowd as I can remember ever uh, being in and around. It was. It took me aback, and Chuck even looked at me and was just nodding because he could see my face. I was blown away by it. It was incredible. Uh, Mars, always great to chat to you. Troy's in WA, a hero or a villain, Troy? Well, I'm the hero, but everybody else is the villain. You know that, Sam. Come on. <laughs> Self-praise hey, is mate. no praise, though, Troy. I'm good, mate. Thank you for asking. I don't much kid myself, Sam. I know my place in the world. It's in the back seat of the car. So. <laughs> what do you got for me, mate? Hey, mate, what have we done next? Um, villain, got to be uh, or Andrew McDonald, George Bailey. Who else is in the selection side of it? Um, too much, Sam. My motto, and I think I might have said to you this before, with all sports, is quality, not quantity. I, you know, it's like, well, no, I'll put it on an AFL basis. You're going to cross fingers most, 90% of the time you're going to get a better game in a final series you've got two better teams mm. than you are, like, you know, through the home and away. It's just, my own personal opinion, Sam, is, yeah, it's just far too much. And it's like I said to the young producer, I said, I think you'll find that um, 20 2020 cricket will slowly, well, they'll choke themselves and um, 
maybe 10, 15 years' time we'll be maybe going on to T10 or something like that, Sam, you know. We'll, well end up getting down to the super over, I think. <laughs> Oh, it's some very sharp stuff, Troy. There is already T10 tournaments, by the way, just to really put the fear into you. Um, but that is some very sharp stuff. Just walk out for one super over uh, and back we go. Please don't let it get to that point. But something will need to give. I don't know. And you might be able to tell me off the, the 40 Winks temper text. Give me another sport that has, let's say there's three, but we know that there is T10, three different formats of it. I know there's discipline, I mean, cycling, and, but give me a team sport that has three different ways in which to play it. Um, I'll, I'll stand and wait for you to tell me. 0433981116 on the Consumer Choice Winner Temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Joe Watton to talk AFLW finals with me next on the Sporting Capital. You're listening to the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEM. to take on Button. A couple of bounces. This is a Craig Bradley-like run down the wing at Princess Park. Four bounces. A fifth bounce. Can she keep on going? It's a sixth bounce. Keep on going to full forward. And then, unfortunately, Sarah Allen was having none of that uh, as she intercepted the Alyssa Bannon run, but that was just one of many highlights of a fantastic first week of AFLW finals. And to go through it all and look ahead to this week, so let's speak to the one of the number one callers of the AFLW on Channel 7 and one of our very own here, too, on SEN and AFL Nation, Joe Watton. Hello, Joe. Hello, Sam. Lovely to be with you. Finals time. Finals time. Uh, and that was just one of um, several uh, incredible moments from the weekend. Um, but unfortunately, Sarah Allen was having none of that and got in front of Katie Hall because it was a, an extraordinary run from uh, Alyssa Bannon. Um, we might start with the Ds and the Crows. 18 points down at quarter time, the Ds, but they weren't out. I mean, they showed a resilience I don't know if they've always been able to show and certainly not against the team that crueled their premiership hopes last season. 21-point win in the end. It was a phenomenal turnaround from the D's uh, from quarter time to full time. It was. Adelaide got the early jump. You said they picked three in a hurry, which is probably what they needed to do. Although they've been winning, their form hasn't been great. And then for the flip side, Melbourne, who got Adelaide in round one, which was a really important win for them to sort of get the monkey off the back. But like you, I was surprised that at halftime, they sort of almost went in even, that Melbourne had that um, that fight, that resilience, mm. to back it up again in the second quarter and get it back on their terms. And from then, you know, they, they ran away with it. But that Bannon, you know, who was, oh, you know, internally cheering in the commentary box thinking, go all the way. She's um, they're X Factor, but they've missed her a little bit this season. She hasn't shown that sort of spark and run as often. Um, and it's sort of been Kate Hoare who's been lighting them up a little bit more. But if she can get off the chain, she loves to run and loves to have a bounce. And Melbourne, I was really... So by the end of the game, I was really impressed with what Melbourne showed. And for Adelaide, they just are slumping at the wrong time of the year. Yeah, I mean, they are. And, and just on the Alyssa Bannon run, to take it from defensive 40 into attacking 50... Um, I, I, you know, and, and to 
to do it with the speed she did and the composure. It was a phenomenal run. It was, it's well worth a look if you haven't seen it. It's getting around everywhere um, at the moment. Um, but you're 100% right. On the flip side of that, we probably didn't expect Melbourne to come back. In. It was I mean, it was a 39-point turnaround. But you don't often expect Adelaide to capitulate in a way that they did. It, it was 7-4 to 1-1 after quarter time. Um, that's not... That's very un-Adelaide-like as the most successful team in AFLW history. It is, and they just didn't... You know, in recent times, they've been out of find that spark and really win it off the back of their stars, so to speak. And although, you know, the likes of Marinoff and Hatchard had reasonable numbers mm. for them, they just had really no influence on the game. Chelsea Randall, the captain, returned from injury much quicker than people expected played the game, but she was below her best. Um, whether she gets up again the next week is, is a real question mark for them. But they, you know, they've been such a wonderful side for so long. And a side that it was really contrasting style. So Melbourne liked to move the footy, hold on to it, be a bit more precise. And Adelaide's happy to go for territory and trust that their players can, can win the one-on-ones. But Melbourne were just too good. Uh, and I wonder what that will mean now for, for Melbourne moving forward. I mean, they're straight through... Um, they're straight through to a prelim. Um, they'll play the uh, they'll play the winner of Richmond and North, which is Punt Road on Saturday. We'll talk about that scheduling. But um, what was it about Melbourne? I mean, Liv Purcell had 26 disposals, eight tackles. She kicked their first goal. What was it about the Melbourne performance that that impressed you so much, Joe? For me, it was the fact that they did it. They sort of did it without it needing to be from maybe their their biggest names. No, they're probably the side that has the most even spread of talent in the competition. Um, and just the way, the dynamics through the middle, they've got some different types of players in your West and your Hanks and your Paxman who use the ball particularly well. But they're also happy. I think now they've worked out the right balance between when you've got to go and when you've got to hang on to it. Um, and they've probably got more dash than they have in the past. Controlled dash, though. No. Um, and it gives their forwards a better chance. They've got three forwards who kicked over 10 goals for the season. So they've got some targets up there. It's not a one-dimensional forward line. They don't just rely on one player, which sometimes in the past can... Um, it, it can, in a weird way, go against you. Because when a game is on the line, sometimes you're looking for that X factor. You're looking for that one player who can stand up. And that's probably what's been missing a little bit of the Melbourne squads in the last few years. But they just have people this season bob up at the right time. And as I said, the forward line's hard to handle. Um, with Hoare, with Harris, with Zanka down there, the yeah. defence of the other side is, is spread thin. And Adelaide's defence is fantastic, good at intercepting. But you're sort of relaxing to lead your player, knowing how good they are. I, I've loved Taylor Harris into the ruck. I think it's a great coaching move. She's got great foot skills, covers the territory and covers the ground so well. She's got hops. So I just think it's such a clever uh, coaching move. So I really enjoyed that throughout the course of the year. And we'll wait and see, um, Joe, if Chelsea Randall comes up. she got a head, lo- head knock late. There was a bit of a stumble. The team are saying, no, she just tripped on her shoelaces. So that's a wait and see. Um, the Lions. Uh, Speaking to Joe Watt and Channel 7 AFLW commentator and one of AFL Nation's very own SENs, um, the Lions win against Richmond at Metricon on Saturday Arvo. Did the Lions look a bit out of sorts to you? Full credit to Richmond for the way that they really made them earn this win. They normally average about eight goals just under a game. They only managed 5-9, so a bit inaccurate, but the Tigers' pressure was great. They hadn't lost in, I think it was seven games. What did you make of that one? 
Yeah, look, they just got the job done. It, to me, it never looked in doubt. Remembering the line, uh, the Tigers only side that's knocked them off this season, getting probably the biggest win in, in the Tigers' comp history. They yeah. got over them at Punt Road. So there's sort of that, I guess, Richmond had that belief heading in that it could be done. But, yeah, for me, the Lions, to me, they're still the favourite at this stage, given what they've produced across mm. the season. And, yeah, they didn't, they didn't wow me and they didn't sort of add to that feeling. But they did enough to get the job done. And they've got some players, you know, you think of someone like a Cathy Spark, who's previously been known as a stopper now, who's getting much more of the footy. So even there... Um, although they've been able to keep their, their core together, they're still shifting and evolving. Dwyer was fabulous for them with lots of runs. So they, to me, they're the team to beat them, closely followed by Melbourne. So Brisbane will play the winner of Adelaide and Collingwood, which is uh, this Saturday at Unley Oval, which is where Sturt play in Adelaide. And then um, Richmond, who, along with Geelong, have been one of the great stories uh, of this season. I don't think they would have lost many admirers. I was really interested to see. I heard Emily Bates speak during the week, and she said, oh, I want to go head-to-head with Moncon. I want Monette Conti. Did it, did it play out like that to your eye? I mean, Bates and Anderson had 21 each and 13 clearances. They dominated the midfield. Conti had 15, but did it really seem like a head-to-head battle for you? Not really. Not in terms of matchups. No. The kind of player that... When you're that good, you don't have to match up in any way. You just go find the footy. And, <laughs> and because they both play like that, whether, whether they both keep an eye on who's wrapping up what, I'm not too sure. But um, I'm not sure how Craig Starfitz would feel about Bates not getting any touches. So <laughs> yeah. I think he would have been happy with her haul. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... We'll speak about Richmond and North at Punt Road. It's an interesting scheduling, bit of scheduling there, and we understand that Richmond have earned the right, but um, it is a bit curious. Uh, Geelong. Now, as I said, they have been one of the great stories of this year. They went down to North by two points. This was a tough watch, Joe. Um, we, we now have a, a competition that's whole. It's only in its seventh season. You and I um, have, you know, from, from day one... Um, been you know for the on along the journey of it and we understand where it is where it's going and all that kind of stuff but sometimes there is a, a, ch- a time to be able to look at a game and say that wasn't it and that really didn't look it um to me i reckon both sides would be pretty disappointed would, would that be fair oh i think geelong in in particular they have produced a wonderful season a surprise season in the fact that it wasn't you know, new names they brought in, big recruits, was really a lot of improvement from inside yeah. the club. Um, and particularly their back half of the season, they sort of flipped a little bit and had actually been quite high-scoring. And if I was, you know, watching on, I just, you know, I thought Ge- Geelong looked like they might go down here. I really felt for them. The inside fifties were 41 to 18 in Geelong's favour. They know. basically won all the statistics you needed to, um, but just couldn't find a way... To, to fit it through the big six. They had their chances. Um, they'll, I'll imagine, it's a shame because they have had a sensational season, but I imagine they would have been really bitterly disappointed with that one. And for North on the flip side, yes, you get the win, but really, um, I don't know if it was luck on your side. They certainly didn't put their best foot forward, but they get another chance um, next week. So it'll be interesting to see what North can can come back with because we know they've got some some good names and stars but they just could not produce on the weekend. Yeah, what they had was Jazzy Garner, um, who's got a second AFL Coach Association best player award. She had twenty three disposals and looked, you know, looked a cut above um, as she so often tends to do. Um, yeah, it, I just thought 
that yeah, both teams would walk away from that saying that wasn't our best. Uh, so and 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 we are getting to the point, even though early on, where it, it's okay that we call those out when when we see them. So that was probably one of them. Where, but it might be the thing that spurs on Geelong to come back bigger and better next year um, to, to get some redemption from that performance. Um, Collingwood to finish off before we get your tips for this week. Collingwood, a five-point win, sold out Vic Park, which is great to see. I saw a photo that said sold out. That's unreal. Um, it was a really intense game, wasn't it? It was tough, and Eliza Jane's probably the difference with four goals. It, it was enjoyable too. I mean, th- these are two teams that really, really cracked in. They certainly did, and they probably there's players in those sides that play against each other that have a history prior to even the AFL. W starting in the old VFLW yeah. competition. So there's not too much love lost there. And really, you know, it was, it was Collingwood's game. They had it on their terms. And credit to the dogs for getting that close in the end um, and putting up a, a good fight. I guess the concerns for Collingwood, um, potentially a couple of injuries. So Ruby Slicer and Sarah Howe, who are roommates, had injuries, whether they'd be able to get up. And there's a couple of others that might be being assessed. So they're come up against Adelaide next week. That'll be an interesting one. There might be two sides who are battered and bruised who, who faced off. Both sides with plenty of experience, obviously Adelaide three times premiers. Um, but they're gettable. They're really gettable at the moment, the Crows. So I think this will be a bit of a war of attrition. Uh, righto. So the games for this week, Joe, um, Richmond and North. Punt Road at one forty an hour before the Matildas uh, kick off in their international pretty much across the road, which is... Strange, that scheduling. And then Adelaide and Collingwood, uh, 3.40pm um, at Unley. Um, only 2,000 can fit in at Punt Road. We know they've earned the right to play the game there and we don't begrudge them because they've been phenomenal. They got over 3,000 when the two teams played at Arden Street. Um, is are you a bit of a head-scratcher for you, this one? Oh, look, it's, you know... One way and the other, I guess. Like, as you said, they've earned the right, but those mm. tickets did fill out in 13 minutes. So obviously you imagine lots of people aren't going to be able to be at the game to see. I guess it's a push you know, down the track. Richmond are looking at redefining that site, which would fit 8,000, which is probably at the moment a perfect size. Absolutely, game. We yeah. We don't have those in-between sort of grounds. Even Icon, you can get a, you can get a bit lost. Um, mm. But when you can, you know, the feel, I mean, the feeling at Punt Road, there might only be you know, just over 2,000 there, but it will feel like 6,000. Um, so it's an interesting one. And the schedule with the Matildas, I mean, you and I both know a lot goes into scheduling this stuff to do with, with broadcast and grounds and how yeah. many days off each side get. So it's um, it's not always an, an easy answer, but understandably there are a lot of um, fans of women's sport who follow enough, a number of different women's sport, and, yeah, it might force them to choose on the yeah. weekend. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So all right, we 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 we've gone um, we've gone through it all. Uh, tips for 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 this weekend. We'll start with Richmond and North. I think Richmond win. Katie Brennan three goals on the weekend. I think Richmond can beat North, um, and I think they will beat North. And I can only imagine what Richmond are going to be like when Katie Brennan can play a full season. Um, who have you got? Yeah, I've got the Tigers too. Really, um, along with Geelong, they're the huge improvers this year, and the confidence they would have got from winning whatever it was, seven or eight on the trot, mm. including knocking off Brisbane in that time. Um, yeah, I think they'll definitely have the wind in their sails. And as you said, Katie Brennan, we actually, I don't think she's played a full season since day dot. I don't think she has. Get a few more, yeah, a few more games under her. You know, if she can get that 
momentum, just a few games in a row rather than one here and there. Um, but even Wakefield for them down forward. I just love the way she plays. Sticky hands, sensational. Mm. Obviously, Monconti through the middle, but getting good support from Grace Egan and the like. Um, yeah, the Tigers for me in that one. Uh, and then Adelaide and Collingwood. Uh, you don't really see Adelaide play two bad ones in a row. No, you don't. But I think... I think Collingwood will think they're gettable. Obviously, mm. the game's in Adelaide too, so that goes a little bit in the Crows' favour. Um, and, yeah, it is unlikely that the Crows play badly two in a row. But this season, they've been inconsistent. They haven't often strung four quarters together, which you need to do, really, in finals. I mean, they played a brilliant first quarter last week, and it was all run over by half-time. So, um Oh, this is this one's going to go down to the wire. I'll, I'll give it to Adelaide by a couple of points, but not confidently. Joe Watton, you're a star. Good luck with your winning on the weekend too, by the way. Uh, Joe Watton, Channel 7's AFLW caller. Uh, you'll see her in action uh, come the prelims and, and the grand final, I'd imagine, as well. So that game at Punt Road... Um, the AFL's quest to get more uh, eyes on the game and get clear air for the game, it would seem that the decision to play that game at that time, at that venue, it contradicts that completely. So it is a strange decision, but the decision's been made nonetheless. Uh, it is a sellout uh, for Punt Road against Richmond and North Melbourne on the weekend. Let's hope we get good crowds to both the games, uh, Adelaide and Collingwood the other, and then the prelims the week after uh, Melbourne and Brisbane already through to those uh, when we come back, we'll get a few minutes with Darren at Chuck Berry and a couple of games, a couple of sports that you think have different formats. Golf. Daniel, you're right. Golf does have different formats, but they all tend to play within the same structure for over four days. Um, but you're right. They do have different formats of golf. Uh, they play competitively. Uh, Sporting Capital, SEN. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to be at the MCG last night. Uh, 82,000 people uh, north of that for India and Zimbabwe. Now, it was a domination in the end by India, but what a special, special um, time it was to be there, a privilege to be there, to see just the joy and the love and the adulation the Indian fans have for their team. Um, it was essentially a dead rubber. I mean, they could get back to top spot, but they were already through to the semifinals, yet you would think that they'd, by the way the crowd roared for a single, let alone a six, that they were just about to claim the World Cup. Um, it was a joy to be there. The man I was alongside, who is always a joy to be with, was Darren Chuck Berry. Uh, hello, partner. Yeah, good evening, partner. I agree with you. I was lucky enough to be there with Jared on that first massive game between India and Pakistan. Uh, we might get a replay, but I'm glad you got to experience that last night, and it just gives you a snapshot, and, and our listeners at SEN, the passion that the Indian supporters have is unmatched. It's unrivaled. I've never seen anything like it in more, all my travels. I suppose on the other side of the coin, Sam, we've probably got to have a real good look in the mirror because only 18,000 turned out in Adelaide to watch the Australians uh, in what was a very crucial game. So something's not adding up at the moment. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll have a chat about the, the semifinals that are to come and, and, and the phenomenal upsets that have occurred, whether it be Ireland beating England, uh, Namibia beating Sri Lanka, or um, uh, Netherlands beating South Africa, Netherlands knocking them out. Yes. Happen, yes. Uh, so those are all extraordinary and, and, and such a bu- such a, um, a highlight of, of this World Cup because it shows how cricket is growing around the world. But let's speak about the Aussies because 
There's two sides to this coin. I think that the Indian fans look at it like it's they're as much a part of the team as the Indian players are. They buy in completely. We didn't get buy-in and we didn't get results on the field or off the field. So there were some that say that the team didn't quite turn up, but the fans didn't turn up either. Why in a World Cup when we are defending champions do the people say, I'm not interested? It's a great question, and I absolutely don't have the exact answer, but I think all throughout today and the last few days, there's been a lot of people probably far more qualified than me and closer to the setup that have come out with various reasons behind it. There, there's no hiding the fact that we are the current champions and we've hosted it in our country, and it's a failure with the team that we have that we haven't made the top four and played the semifinals. So there has to be some question. We can't just sweep it under the carpet. I was really upset the other day when I, and I heard um, some responses from some of the players to say, oh, well, we move on pretty quick. You know, we play a lot of cricket. I mean, please tell me that's not the attitude. Please tell me it's not the attitude. For someone here who would have given his right arm to play for his country, and I was never good enough, Sam, to do that. So to watch it, to commentate on the game, and to still be a passionate Australian cricket enthusiast, I'm worried that there is some scars from the, the, the Justin Langer murky water transition over to the new coach, Andrew McDonald. I don't think the public have accepted that very well. And clearly they're not turning up to watch the team. So I don't know the answer for that. Yeah. Um, And it's frustrating. It is frustrating. Tim Gossage believes wholeheartedly that in the West, especially that is why we got at a 50,000 or 60,000 seat stadium. We got about 20 odd uh, to, to the Australia game that was there. So that you believe might be permeating around the country and maybe it's the apathy in Australia for T20 cricket but we've been shown up by the, the crowds of just about every other nation, even though they might have been smaller in number, but their passion, their joy for their team. I mean, the pocket of um, Zimbabwean fans that were there last night of the 82,000, whatever it was, they might have been about 50. But they were jumping yep. up and down. They were waving their flags. They were proud, um, you know, for every moment that they had that was a positive one, even though they went down by over 70 or 71 runs, it was in the end. So we seem to just not really care as much in this country. We're, we're not as well, big a cricket fans maybe as we like to think that we are. Well, I'm trying to dissect it as you're asking the question, Sam, and I'll give you this. I've been, you know, I work in a sporting school mm. at Roville Secondary College. It's a sports-based school, and I'm involved there with some high-class coaches that have played elite-level sport, okay? And I won't name them, but some elite-level sportsmen and ex-players and we had a conference today and four people came to me separately and said, what's the matter with the Aussie team? And I looked at them, I said, what do you reckon's wrong? And they said, they're on the nose. We don't want to support them anymore. Wow. You know, that hurt me a little bit. And I, yeah. and I thought about it, you know, and, and it's not just maybe the transition of Justin Langer. Is there still some carryover back to the sandpaper affair? I think there is. And I think these scars are deep. Look how long it took us to get... Well, we're still not over the Trevor Chapel underarm and the New Zealanders will forever hold that against us. Well, I think a combination of factors. It's not one issue, mm. but sandpaper left a real sour taste. The Langer departures left a sour taste. And I think a lot of people of my age and above have probably said, yeah, we're, we're not interested. And that is a great concern. And Sam, I know we're pushed for time. The other thing I'll say... 
I reckon we've overcooked the big bash. And the quality, you and I have commentated on it, and we love it. We yeah, love it. We we're, love it. We're cricket nuffies, you and I. But I, I, the appetite for that has dropped off. Now, that's where we should be picking our, our Australian T20 side from. Tim David has got that opportunity, but there's a few others that haven't, and we're picking players that don't even play in the big bash. I think that's an issue as well. I'm starting to have a look at some other things as well, Chuck, and we, I didn't realise we were going to spend most of the time trying to figure out why the people aren't buying into the Australian side in a T20 situation. But the crowds for one day haven't been good either. Our test crowds will still be good, but we'll get a test of that this year against South Africa and the West Indies. But when the test captain is rested for a big part of the, the build-up to this World Cup, and that's not a crack at Pat Cummins, but and then you've got a tinkering with a side that it's changing every sort of... Tour every sort of game in the lead up. That wasn't they used this. They used the side that they had as their best side once in nine games in the build up yep. to this World Correct. Cup. And then you've got Glenn Maxwell saying, you know, it doesn't mean anything. And I'm sure he'd want to take those comments back. But maybe it's a case of, well, if you're gonna change a team around all the time. We can't really buy into the players because we don't really know if they're going to be there. If the test captain doesn't really, you know, he's going to have a break because he's got IPL that they've done and so many of them do. And I don't begrudge them the earn. I do not begrudge them at all. I'm just wondering if this is other people's reason. So if it doesn't mean as much to you, then why would it mean much to me? Yep. If it's not important to you, it's not important to me. There's a bit of that. Look, there is a lot of... There is a lot of concerns. We've raised three or four of them tonight. There's others that have raised other issues over the, the, the last few days since we've bowed out. But it is a concern, and I think accountability factor needs to be looked at it. I, I'm worried. I'm really worried about at the moment uh, the state of Australian cricket. Not We've got the players, but Sam, I'm old-fashioned. And I know people say he's out of touch. But am I when I say this? Playing for your country is everything. And I think now there is, in, a, in essence, what Glenn Maxwell said is right. They play so much cricket mm. and they go from one colour to another colour to another colour. And I don't think, in fact, I know. I know it doesn't have the same meaning and I'll get shot down for saying it. But when you and I were kids, watching Australia and playing for Australia was everything. Now, I... I don't believe it is because I think they can earn so much money playing around the world that playing for the country, dare I say it, is not as important as it once was and it hurts me to say that. From a uh, from an on-field perspective, Chuck, we, we don't have a ton of time left, but what would you like to see... Have I lost your partner? No, no, you've got me here. Um, from, a, from an on-field perspective, what would you like to see happen from here? Does it need to be its own program, T20? Because I've heard Jerry Waitley speak about this. It is, it is where all the money's coming. It has to be an area that you have to take seriously because it is funding the game at the moment. So what's the future look like between now and the next World Cup in the West Indies and America? Well, there certainly has to be some serious analysis and look at it. And I think starting with the Big Bash, that needs to be our premier competition the competition goes too long. They got greedy. The administrators saw the big dollars rather than making it a real high quality. That, that's one thing. And I've said that for years, so that's the same procedure. And look, I'm a believer, and I know Andrew McDonald is, and I know Justin Langer was. I'm not a big fan of having different coaches with different teams because what happens there, you have, it's like if dad says no, go to mum. 
And if mum says go go to Nana, I think you need one person in control, but he's got to have trusted lieutenants that he can maybe give some ownership to of their individual team. So it's a complex discussion that, but I just don't know whether it's going to work with having separate coaches. And a lot of people, and I thought a couple of years ago it's time to do that. I think you need one master, but you've got to have trusted lieutenants that can can take the trips. And I think that's where Andrew McDonald's going to head. Aaron Finch, you know, it's hard. He's a Victorian. His time's up now, and, and I love you, Finchy, but he probably, you know what, and Simon O'Donnell said this, in hindsight, and I think a few others have, maybe after the last success, that might have been the right time. Probably held on a bit long. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.